With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Visit www.realitycheck.radio forward slash donate. Simon Angelo is the Chief Executive Officer and Publisher at Wealth Morning. He's been investing in the market since he was 17. He recently spent a couple of years working in the hedge fund industry in Europe. Before this, he owned an award-winning professional services business and online learning company in Auckland for 20 years. He's completed the Certificate in Discretionary Investment Management from the Personal Finance Society UK. He's written a best-selling book and manages global share portfolios in our money's uh, in our Money Talks segment this morning, I want to welcome Simon Angelo from WealthMorning.com to RCR. Hi, Simon. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too, Paul. Thanks for your generous intro. Quite a bit to live up to there when you put 17, it all eh? 17. Yeah, it's a while ago. What was I doing at 17? Playing records on the radio, I think. Oh, uh, yeah. Back in the days when we were young and poor. Yeah. And records came... <laughs> And vinyl, and we played them on turn turntables. It's it's like another era. Collectors' should... items now, good investment, eh? <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. They, they made a comeback. Vinyl made a comeback. Um, okay, so before we start talking, um, do you need to get any housekeeping out of the way? Yeah, just the legal stuff. What I'm going to say today is general commentary only. Uh, everybody's situation is different, different nuances. So no financial advice. And last thing is you can learn a lot from the past, but it don't, doesn't predict the future. Really? Is that what? Yeah, okay. So when we do talk about past figures, it's not going to indicate uh, future performance. Because, I mean, look at COVID. Nobody predicted that. Well, <laughs> now we could get into that too. The ducks were lined up for that years in advance, but that's that's another story. Oh, there's a great quote from Ray Dalio if you if you live by a crystal ball, you'll end up, end up eating shattered glass. Okay. And I found in my years uh, sitting at a trading desk, there's a lot of truth in that. Yeah. Mind you, people can't get away with stuff either unpunished, but that's, again, another story. Um, interesting comment about uh, the past. What did you just, – just give me that saying again about what the past and the relationship between past and future. You can learn from the past, in my view but it doesn't guarantee or really indicate the future. Right. So Best example for me was global financial crisis 2008, yep. last massive financial meltdown we had. Nobody really saw it coming. That was a shock. Markets dropped 50%. And then immediately after it, all the predictions were, oh, there's not going to be any growth in stocks for a long time yet. Well, guys, stocks jumped 350% since then. But that's because money was printed. It had to go somewhere. Yeah, well, we had some pretty loose money, and that creates opportunities. Certainly get into that on this show. Tell us quickly about WealthMorning.com. What's it all about? Ah, so we were involved in a management buyout about five years ago. It's uh, probably the leading site for specialist investment news in New Zealand. So we run what we see, devoid of media filter. We tell it like it is from the trading desk. And then we run wholesale portfolios for wholesale and eligible investors in the global markets. We're up four nights a week. We do London and Europe. So if there's a few bags under my eyes, that's why. That's the middle of the night, right? 
Yeah, well, time zone now, we start about 9 p.m. And depending on what the market serves us, we can be there 11 p.m. or 12, 12 uh, midnight. Not, not the easiest, but it's only four nights a week. And, hey, we thrive on it. We love it. Yeah. Um, I always found doing overnights easier than doing really early mornings. Well, I, I'm a night owl. So, uh, yeah, morning I'm not alive until I had a couple of cappuccinos. <laughs> okay. So, um, so your specialist knowledge, has any mainstream media follower got any chance of being informed to any meaningful extent uh, on markets, money markets and you know investment uh, opportunities and success is there any hope in getting that quality of information out of the mainstream media <laughs> well if they're trading and they've got a portfolio uh yes but if they're young kids have never seen star wars and they've got a lot of ideology and what they're writing probably no yeah because um, i see i see them advertising you know and there's a whole lineup of as you say, quite young business journalists, and I recognise a few who have been around uh, not that long, and I, I just wonder how much do you know? You know, how much do you really know? Ah, uh, well, everyone's entitled to their opinion, and I'm going to get stuff wrong. Um, you can only do as much research as you can and talk about what you see, and I live the pulse of the markets every day because if I lose people money, they get pretty unhappy. They're pretty grumpy. They sure do. But, uh, hey, look, we're in a bull market, so I'm pretty happy at the moment, like a teenage boy at a buffet. Why <laughs> Why is it a bull market then? What's driving that? Oh, it's a bit of a long story behind that. Um, COVID 2020, big shock no one saw. Um, we were at a trading desk trying to work out if businesses could survive lockdowns. Government come in with a whole lot of helicopter money, we weren't expecting just how much money. Uh, so you had a 90% gain after COVID, after a 35% drop. Uh, then we realised, well, a lot of this money has been pretty loose. Um, the money supply in New Zealand, last I looked, grew 36% over the past three years. Wow. So you mentioned money printing, but it's a combination of low interest rates, quantitative easing. So then we entered the longest bear market, or one of the longest bear markets since the war, because we're dealing with inflation. And inflation, almost hyperinflation, is so pernicious. It's like you're trying to renovate a house and someone burgles it every week. Yeah. <laughs> so the, to cut to your question, the reason we're in a bull market now is a lot of that inflation looks to be taming. The market's looking uh, 12 months ahead. They're seeing maybe interest rates falling later in the year and that obviously gives a lot of impetus behind uh, stocks and look we're up 20 percent since november wow so yeah it's been a happy run but um i think there's a very crude comedian who said hope can be a prick in disguise so, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you gotta yeah. be you gotta be damn careful with bull markets that you don't pay too much and you don't get excited because you know what the real opportunities are buying when it's dark right buying when they mess around with COVID and they mess around with the money and everything's on sale, then if you're brave enough, that's when you'll make some money. But fear does things to people, like we've seen. Oh, yeah, fear works big time. Speaking of fear, what is the greatest threat now to the average person's wealth, let's say? Oh, well, in the New Zealand perspective, everyone's tied up in property mostly. So we've had a little bit of correction with 
housing prices. So it remains to be seen whether a lot of people are leveraged, whether we'll see a lot of housing growth again, as we've had in the past. Yeah. Uh, I mean, always the biggest risk is another black swan. I mean, COVID smashed a lot of wealth for a lot of people, but it's also created a lot of opportunity to to grow some wealth if you were courageous. And, yeah. uh, those, some of those opportunities are still on the table. Yeah, you could say, though, that uh, a lot of how COVID was handled was actually kind of wrong in, in um, hindsight, lockdowns, et cetera, probably wouldn't have made that much of a difference. Anyway, we could talk about that endlessly. I want to get on to some current things, really interesting things. The Tucker Carlson, Vladimir Putin interview. It yes. talked about, um, in, in one part of the interview, about economics in so much as the uh, Russian um economy supposedly was going to be taken out because of all these sanctions, thousands of sanctions, and that was supposed to collapse their economy. It seemed to get stronger. Now there's talk about the place of the American dollar as the global reserve currency, as you've got the BRICS nations and, you know, um, uh, UAE and Saudi Arabia and China dealing in one and other currencies where before it would have been the US dollar. So, what did you make of what was said there? And what is the future of, I suppose nothing happens overnight, but you, you know, black swan of the American dollar. And what does it mean for people like you um, strategizing investment and people who are putting their money up to be invested, their wealth up to be invested? Yeah, well, I watched that video for two hours. And apart from the Russian history lesson, I was glued to it. And I really sat up when he started to talk about the US dollar because yep. we get clients who call us and say, there's a lot of debt. Is the US dollar going to collapse? It's lost a lot of purchasing power. Should I go to gold or Bitcoin? And what Putin actually said, um, I think, puts an interesting perspective on it. Because first he said, well, the US is actually a pretty strong economy. Inflation's only down to around 3%. It's interesting he's got the same data all us investors have got. He's the president of Russia. Yeah. And uh, I actually felt a little bit of bitterness and a little bit, of, maybe it's just me, but I detected a little bit of bitterness, a little bit of jealousy, feeling of being sidelined. And I sort of thought, well, actually, you probably need the US dollar more than it needs you. So I'm still pretty bullish on the US dollar. Uh, they got inflation down to 3%. Putin said, well, half of our foreign transactions with other countries used to be in the US dollar. Now it's 34% our ruble, and even more, the Chinese yuan. And I'm kind of looking at the ruble. Their bank rate's 16%. It's uh, got weaker and weaker. And then the yuan, well, when Trump put tariffs on China, they devalued the whole currency. So for a guy who sits at a trading desk, I don't want to be holding yuan and ruble. Uh, give, me, give me US dollars any day. Yeah, okay. Um, it's not backed by gold anymore. No. no currency is. Currencies are backed by governments. And when you've got a Federal Reserve dedicated to getting inflation down to 2% and doing a pretty good job, and you still got the largest uh, repository of gold in the US, 8,100 tonnes, pretty much the same as the next three gold holders, uh, Germany, France, and Italy. Is that at Fort Knox? Yeah, there's a lot, yeah, there's a lot of wealth there in the US. So, yeah. Um, yeah. look, I used to, you know, US dollar... Uh, back in 2014, you get 80 cents Kiwi. Now it's 60 cents. Yeah, I might have so, just been to the States. 
you you would have just seen it. You would I have did. just seen how much more everything costs you. So um, yeah, no, I'm still I'm still bullish on the US dollar. But um, like any currency, you've got to protect yourself. And this is actually one of the biggest threats to your wealth, yep. protecting yourself against wholesale loss of purchasing power. Because if you add up all the inflation we had here in New Zealand over the past three years, you probably lost 20 to 30%. So then people say, well, how are you going to protect your purchasing power? So in 1930s, a dollar would buy you a case of a 12-pack of beer. Mm. Now it'll buy you a filter coffee at McDonald's. Yeah, so It's kind of 20 to 1. Uh, but then again, if you'd bought stocks in 1930, if you put 100 bucks in stocks, these are the numbers, and you just track the S&P, you'd have about 1.5 million today. Gee. So there are ways to protect yourself, and it's in, it's in productive assets. But you're not too worried about the US dollar. We know all currencies lose purchasing power. You've just got to find ways to actually protect yourself from that. Probably what, about, what, <laughs> what about the debt, though? The debt is... Mind-boggling. I think if you were to print the, the notes, $10 notes, and, and put them, that would fill or even maybe overfill a warehouse. $34 trillion. It's huge. Yeah, well, don't forget debt can also allow you to do stuff. And if you invest your debt well, you can make a whole lot more money, no question. And US debt's bounced around. It was 30% in the 80s of GDP. Now it's, what, 130%. So providing your economy is growing faster than the debt and interest rates are due to come down, um, I mean, it is getting a bit on the high side, but I'm um, not too worried about it just, just yet. I mean, Japan, Greece, it's a lot of countries with a lot more debt. It's okay. really what you do with it and how you manage it. Um, and let's talk energy because uh, this interests me. <clears throat> um, I wonder what the uh, future of um you know, whatever form of energy is out there, are what they are. Obviously, um, EVs are the current thing, but it looks like um, they're tanking. Hydrogen is an internal combustion engine running on hydrogen seems to be a possibility. Um, you know, there's there's no beating the energy stored in a litre of fossil fuel. Uh, Rowan Atkinson is saying, hang on to your, your petrol-powered cars for longer, forget about your EVs. Didn't he so, have a mini? Didn't, didn't Rowan Atkinson have a mini, Mr. Bean? Yeah, yeah, I think he did. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's got quite a car collection. But it, Mr. Bean's not a real person, um, I, I need to tell, tell you, okay? Oh, you you've Simon, in case illusion. you uh, didn't realise. Um, but uh, d does that affect now, um, in terms of energy, how investments are starting to flow in that sector globally? And, and where does that leave someone who's, thinking about those sort of stocks or you thinking about those stocks on behalf of other people? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm buying a few energy stocks because I'm a, I'm a professional scrounger trying to buy stuff that uh, shows some value. Yeah. They've been punished. I don't know why. Uh, maybe a few woke kids and funds who have got ideology that any, any fossil fuels are bad. Uh, but as you said, it comes down to energy density uh, and if we want to transition, you're going to need denser forms of energy. And we also need to flourish. The greatest correlation between having a clean environment is actually prospering as a country, prospering as a world. And if you look at the third world, uh, people burn wood and dung on little stoves inside their homes and their lungs get graded up and they die young. And then uh, you move to the second world and they, they burn coal to create electricity and 
that's obviously more efficient, but a lot of particles, a lot of particulate matter in the environment from coal. And actually, if you moved from coal to gas, you could cut emissions by half and be a lot cleaner and a lot that's more That's L- LNG, liquefied natural gas. Kind yeah, of. yeah. So I see a lot of potential in companies involved in that transition. And there's a lot of gas to be sold in Australia. Uh, one of the companies we, we manage is Woodside Energy. Uh, and that's, I mean, it's been slashed by the market. You're getting it at earnings of six times, kind of what you'd pay for a large fruit and veggie shop. And last I looked, um, dividends were around 10 or 11%. So I'm sort of scratching my head and saying, well, these guys are trying to help people flourish and help things transition and be efficient. And there's a huge market in Asia. Why is the market so hard on them? Is it just woke ideology or is there something more? Well, well it must be. Surely that is the yeah, explanation. Well, and not being yeah, able to we're, differentiate we're looking between... For, looking, for, looking for fair value, Paul, and... If you look at one of the most successful stocks of all time, going back to the 20s, it was actually Philip Morris Tobacco. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think if if you'd put a um, thousand bucks back in the 20s, you'd be a billionaire today. And simply because uh, nobody expected it to do anything. It had lawsuits and nasty pictures on the packs and labor smoke free. Um, I probably wouldn't invest in Philip Morris myself, so I'm not going to become a billionaire out of that one. But this goes to show it's these untapped opportunities that are off the radar where sometimes the bigger profits are to be made. In that case, it was dumb for New Zealand to remove itself from exploration and exploitation of that resource because we did have that, or we do have gas. We can be part of this, can't we? Well, it's back now with the new... uh, dream team, but we just hope that, I mean, investors are are easily frightened. You just hope they're not too frightened away from investing. They want to see some stability now before they get back in the market, I would have thought. Um, What was the reaction of the market? I'm not really down in those weeds to that change of government. What, what, What does your, how does your industry feel about that change of government? Oh, I don't want to be too optimistic, but we think it's part of a global recovery and renaissance. Um, I think people have finally woken up to the fact that, you know, we people become sheep during COVID. Yeah. The government become wolves. And that it doesn't really work. You can't have a hundred odd bureaucrats deciding what's right for everyone when you've got a market of five million that knows far better and can work it out much better. So I think people are finally realizing saw on uh, Twitter there was a great billboard sign. It's about the size of a truck. And it said, uh, less marks, more Malay. And I thought that billboard signifies the kind of transition we're seeing, not only in Argentina, but in New Zealand, in Europe, where people are saying, well, we tried hard socialism during COVID and hard controls, and it stuffed a lot of stuff up. (laughs) Yeah, so you, you're quite um, impressed or entertained uh, with the developments in Argentina, let's say, as an example of that. Uh, look, I'm, 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 I'm a free market aficionado. I believe government should only be the referee. And if you, you know, businesses, business people wake up every day to try and make things better, faster and cheaper, that's your best hope of cutting inflation. Yep. So, um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, supportive of it but i mean equally when everything's going well and you're about to enter a golden age 
it's hard for people like me who are trying to scrounge around for value because we make money when it's dark. Right. So you're sort of between the cracks of things a lot of the time. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, COVID was rough, but it was also a huge opportunity when stocks were overly punished. Yeah. So you must have realised that was – did you anticipate that would happen and we're just like waiting for the timing of it? Uh, so did I anticipate COVID or the – Well, no, not COVID. Um, the uh, response? But, but the way – yeah, the way things kind of played out, especially in the early stages, because you're sitting there thinking, I, I'm so, I suppose, like how will this run? And you'll have data points that you'll draw on. You've got, your, you know, the history that you can't, you know – 100% predict the future from, but it can inform you. So, uh, you know, um, what were your initial, what was your initial thinking on that? And did it pan out the way you th- thought it would go? Because if you're ahead of that, you- you're in a good place, aren't you? Oh, when it, when it, I mean, I was traveling back from Japan and Singapore early 2020, and I saw a lot more masks than normal. Yeah. So, oh, something's up. And then when I got back, and I, I was just sitting there like a, a rabbit with electrodes on. And they were just shocking me almost beyond what I could take. Cause I thought, how can you how can you lock down a whole bunch of businesses wholesale? How can they trade? Yeah. And I was actually going through wholesale portfolios line by line, looking at how much debt are these businesses got? Will they be able to get through? It was scary, Paul. It was really scary. Yeah. Um, but what I should have expected is what they said back in the GFC is, oh, we didn't do enough. We didn't do enough. And uh, following COVID, they, they did a lot. A lot of money come in and it created a whole new set of problems. They're trying to claw back quite a bit too. We've heard from businesses that IRD have been all over um, after sort of um, responding to ambiguous criteria at the time and now getting hit um, now. And it's you know, it's painful for some. Yeah, well, they, they give and they take away. Yeah, they do. (laughs) That's how it goes. I think the worst example of that was cost of living payment, which was completely indiscriminate. It was just helicopter money. Yeah. I remember hearing from a guy who's got loads of money. He was on a boat somewhere. He got the money and he just said, I'll take it. Apology accepted, Labour. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Look, he he shouldn't have got it. And I think there were loads of people who shouldn't have got their money. And it's just pure madness to try and pay off the whole population, in my view. That's a point. I mean, if you know that you don't need it and you shouldn't be getting it, should you should you still take it? That's the thing. I don't know. Well, I think that line, apology accepted, I think people are taking it because they feel hard done by. But no, it's not right to take money that's not yours. Yeah. Okay, so um, that's interesting. Looking ahead then, um, what do you see on the horizon? I mean, AI is huge. No question about that. That's got to have some effect. On, um, on on the dynamics of global business going forward, there will, there will be new technologies. What are you anticipating? What are you seeing forming up? Well, you know what I said about predictions, Paul, but I think AI is a very interesting area. Um, we were a little late to the party because all our training is old school, looking at oil companies, property companies, airports, and you suddenly have a business which is 100 times earnings, and there's huge risk, particularly if you're investing money for older investors. Yep. And uh, I mean, one thing's for sure, um, AI is happening. And if you're a company like Airbnb and you want a software behind the scenes that's going to find the best accommodation for Paul Brennan when he goes to the States again, AI can help, number one. It's going to boost that business. 
but it needs a whole lot of processing power. And NVIDIA has been the rock star so far right. in that. Yep. I'm scared of the current stock price because I look at earnings and I just struggle to understand it. I can't see land or buildings or possibly even enough earnings growth to, for it to fully grow into. But hey, I've been wrong about that. It's, it's growing a couple hundred percent. Is that the value of IP? Uh, yeah, well, it's, it's, it's the market's view on how much that business can grow because yep. there's going to be so much demand for AI chips. And I think there will be, but like Tesla's seen, that growth can be can be walked back fast, particularly when you get competition. I mean, Tesla got a lot of competition from BYD. People realized, oh, you're not going to grow into those earnings so fast now, are you? And I think the same thing's going to happen with some of these AI stocks. I mean, even Intel, which was uh, slow off the mark initially, is now actually looking at, the nanometers of their chips and considering you know where they can build ai capability as well and then of course there's government support again i think uh, the biden administration was looking at uh money for chips so yeah there's a lot behind it but i think you just got to be careful you don't buy the hype and you don't pay too much and you get the right business and the right story but hey investing is all about conviction if you've really done your research, you're never going to get 100% right. But if you're buying on conviction, I, I don't think you'll have any regrets over a five or 10-year period. Yeah. Are there stocks that um, philosophically you won't go near even? Uh, not really. I mean, we avoid anything that is is unethical. Yeah. Um, we have clients at the moment, quite a few clients who have specifically banned us from buying any stocks involved with vaccines. Yep. Some have even extended that to, to pharmaceuticals. That's so interesting. That's yeah, interesting. Yeah. Very we've had. People don't want those businesses. Yeah. And now that their COVID revenue has dried up, even though they weren't the largest part of a, well, a small part of a business like Pfizer, they, they've struggled to get much traction in the market. Yeah. Just another question on AI, because uh, as well as the, you know, the, the technology and the hardware that makes it work, it's going to change industries, isn't it? It's going to um, flip a lot of people who may have had secure um, uh, employment positions out of those traditionally secure positions and and change the sort of the the input to output ratios of businesses is that something that's that's coming or is that just a bit over overblown that sort of talk at the moment I think it's already happening um, there yeah. are headlines saying there are white collar job losses starting to flow through. Uh, because AI can do a lot of the thinking grunt work behind the scenes, and that's only going to get faster and harder. But I'm always philosophical about that because they said that with the internet, everyone's yeah. going to lose their job. Actually, it ended up creating more jobs because yeah. you needed a whole lot more people to understand the new technology. So yeah. it created whole new industries. So that's why I think we might be on the verge of a real renaissance and definitely start of a secular bull market. So exciting, but be careful. And how long could it run for? What's the usual cycle for that? Or don't we know? Oh, it varies. Uh, bull markets uh, tend to kind of walk slowly upstairs. Uh, bull and bear markets kind of crash like an elevator. Yeah, yeah. So we, I think because interest rates are taking a while to come down, and it's still quite uncertain how quickly they'll, they'll come down, uh, I think this could be a long, slow burn. Okay. 
Is there anything that we've missed? Anything more that you want to say? We're coming up against time. Um, maybe if um, also people are interested in getting in touch, what's the best way to do it? Uh, yeah, well, we're at uh, wealthmorning.com. The news is there. And if people want to touch base with me directly, bouquets or brickbats, um, <laughs> the email address, which will get to me, is cs at wealthmorning.com. Okay. And um, even if they send it in the middle of the night, four, four, four nights a week, they're going to get you anyway. <laughs> oh, I'm pretty focused on the trading desk at that yeah, time. But, fair uh, enough. Yeah. Simon, thanks for coming on. It's been really interesting chatting with you, Simon Angelo from Wealth Morning. And I'm sure we'll chat again. Thanks so much. Real pleasure. Thanks, Paul. Loving what you're hearing? Well, the establishment hates it. And right now they're conjuring up new ways to try and censor RCR. To ensure you never miss a beat of the hard-hitting news you've come to know and love, make sure you're on the RCR mailing list. Get connected now at realitycheck.radio forward slash email.